0: So good to see your smiling faces, to see you here in person today, as well as those who are joining us online. We want to say welcome and thank you. Uh, we, Clint's going to preach today. I'm so excited for that. Before he comes out to preach, I just want to share a couple of things with you. Last week, we talked about the School of Arts. Pastor Fisher, Pastor Levinsky, and I shared our personal stories, our testimonies of what God has done in our lives, our faith journey, and then we talked about music and about the School of Arts that will be launching October 2nd. If you missed last week, we'd encourage you to go online to crosspointwaverly.com and listen to that message. You can also go to our website and read all about it. And then on your way out the doors today, uh, if you want to sign up for the School of Arts, for, sign up for lessons, for singing, or for instruments, you can sign up at the table out there. So it's only been one week since we promoted this and announced it, and already 45 people have signed up for lessons. It's amazing. I'm telling you, it's going to be Uh, It's going to be a tremendous resource for our church and for our community, and it's for all ages, and so we'd encourage you to get signed up if you want to do that. The other thing is this, on the front page of the Waverly Democrat this week, uh, they highlighted Matt and Bruce McClellan. Matt's back at our sound booth today, and he's the orchestra teacher at Waverly Shell Rock High School, and a couple of decades ago, his dad was the, uh, the director of the orchestra at Waverly Shell Rock, and so they did a really nice story honoring he and his dad, and we love having them be part of our church and are so grateful for them. Matt and Bruce, we celebrate you today and honor you. Well, in this vein of honor, the young man that's coming out to preach today is an incredible blessing of God to myself personally and to our church. He is uh, is a tremendous communicator. He's passionate about Jesus. He loves delivering his word. And I'll tell you one thing that I've never heard when you preached, never, not one time has anybody come up to me and been like, oh... I really wish you to preach today. Not one time. Nobody has ever said that to me. Someone when, that today, no, you right? don't need to change it today. That. No, it's so good. And so Clint, I just want to tell you, man, I love you. I'm Thank so you. grateful for you. We're standing backstage in preparation for this moment, and he was uh, just finalizing some preparation. and the posture that he had, he was on his knees face down to the floor, just crying out to heaven. And so I'm just telling you that this is an incredible man of God. He's hungry for the Word of God. He has studied to show himself approved. And today he has come prayed up and prepared. And so would you join me in welcoming Clint as he comes to deliver the Word? You got this. I love you, man.
1: I feel taller now. Thank you. Well, I am really excited to bring God's Word to you. I'm always excited to read God's Word, and I'm always excited to share that word and how it applies to our life. But before I do that, I think it, since this honor thing has started, I think it'd be fitting to give honor where honor is due. You know, I don't, I'm not a minister in the traditional sense. I don't get paid to do ministry, and I'm okay with that. I would love that. And for years, I was our volunteer youth pastor before uh, we hired Pastor Madison and all the former youth students said, praise God for a full-time youth pastor, right? But in all reality, I work for a, a company that's a Fortune 300 firm. I'm a leader within the company, and we're consistently ranked number one in our industry for training. And if I look at all the years that I've been trained by this company, I can look back at the time that I spent underneath the umbrella of Pastor Jonathan and say that those are the greatest years of development that I've ever had. We are so blessed to have Pastor Jonathan leading this flock, leading this church. And if you've been blessed by him in any form or manner, I think it'd be fitting if we stood up and showed him some honor. Alright, he need no more. He doesn't need any more of that. All right. Man, again, I am just tickled pink. It's a delight for me to be able to share God's word, and hopefully it'll be a delight for you to hear God's word. Any main amens in the room? All right. So this week I'll be sharing week four of a series that Pastor Jonathan was going through called Retold. And in his words, this is the not the PG version that we've all become accustomed to when we hear it on Sunday school rooms. If we've been in the church a good chunk of your life. You've heard many of these stories growing up in kids' men, through youth group, and you've heard it on Sunday mornings. And our hope is that each one of us will not get instantly calloused over, I've heard this before, I've heard it preached every way before, but each time that we've done this, we're retelling it in a way that maybe it hasn't been told in the past, revealing the not PG version of this story. So let's summarize it, because last week we honored a uh, Crosspoint School of Arts, which is really exciting that we can take those skill sets that God has given us, use those to deploy those skill sets here at Crosspoint and churches across the world. And even if they don't go to church, use the skill sets that God birthed in those people to go out in the world and bless it with those skill sets. I'm really excited about the testimonies that are come from the School of Arts. Anybody else? Anybody else excited about it? Good. I'm excited to hear that. So before we jump into that, again, we took a break from Retold. Let's summarize what the first three weeks look like. The first week was about how God had literally flooded the world, killed every human being, probably millions of people, millions of animals and living creatures, all the vegetation, except for Noah's family and a few lucky animals that made the ark, and aqua life too, probably. The second week, we talked about how God had parted this sea miraculously, the one that we, we hear about on, on the Bible school side. But what we don't camp out on a lot of times is that he sent an Egyptian army into that same passageway, and brought the waves down crushing and killing everyone in that army even the mules and donkeys and all the animals that were with them the third week we talked about a giant who got his head cut off with his own sword this week we're going to talk about real live human beings being tied up shackled and thrown into a fiery furnace aren't these just heartwarming stories that we're teaching our children <laughs> on sunday sunday school no and some of you if this is one of your first times in a church setting and you these stories aren't from there, so you've got to be wondering, what is wrong with these people? And I get that. But there's a common thread with every one of these stories. The Bible has violence in it. And eventually, we should share that full story with our children because it illustrates how bad our sin is and how fallen the world has become. Violence is traced back all the way to the beginning of mankind, all the way back to the beginning of the book the Bible. We see Adam and Eve sinning, then they have a couple kids who do the same thing, they sin, but one takes his jealousy and anger too far, ends up killing his brother. Violence is in the Bible. The world that our kids live in, the world that we live in, is filled with violence, and it's the result of man's sin. We will not be able to shade our kids from this reality for the world that they live in. But this week, even though it does have violence in it, we're going to kind of camp out on a different area on today's message, maybe a different perspective than what we've talked about before. And hopefully, again, if you've heard this before, you're tuned in, because I think that each one of us, if we truly lean into this, can walk away with a point that can transform our lives. Anybody agree with me? Show of hands. Okay, 13 people. Praise God. This week, we're going to look at a group of people that very well could have felt that they were abandoned or forgotten by God. And I think if we're all being real with ourselves, there's been a time in our life where we've all felt alone, that we're maybe the only person in our family, in our home, in our workplace, in our community, sometimes alone in our church or a small group setting, that's truly following God. Maybe there's been so many things in your life that have gone wrong that you wonder if God's forgotten about you or just plain abandoned you. But after today, after we go through this scripture, I hope that each one of us, myself included, will walk away from this renewed, knowing that God is always with us. No matter where you're in life, you're not forgotten by God. It says in scripture that God will never leave us nor forsake us. It says at the very beginning... He knit us in our mother's womb. So he's known us from the start of every one of our existence, every person in the past, every person in the present, every person in the future. God has known us from the very beginning. He was with us. Jesus, when he was about to ascend into heaven, tells his followers, don't worry, I won't leave you as an orphan. Because who's coming to stay is the Holy Spirit, the person that lives within you. That is God with us Is better than me being here with you. So he promises, if you believe in me, I'll always be there with you. And he also says that when two or more gather in his name, he is there. God is always with us. And I hope that this story found in the book of Daniel will help illustrate this fact, that no matter where we're at in life, you are not forgotten by God. So let's jump into Daniel chapter 3. We're going to read the first seven verses found in this scripture. King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold, 60 cubits high, 6 cubits wide, and set it up in the plain of Dura, in the province of Babylon. He then summoned the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other provisional officials to come to the dedication of the image that he had set up. So all these officials assembled at the dedication of this image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up and they're standing there before it. Then a herald loudly pronounced nations and peoples of every language, this is what you're commanded to do. And as soon as you hear the horn, the flute, the zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, you must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. So therefore, as soon as they heard the horn, the flute, zither, lyre, harp, and all kinds of music, all the nations, all the peoples of every language fell down and worshiped the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Let's pray quick. Heavenly Father, I just pray that today you take this message that we're going to learn about of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and illuminate to us what you want us to hear. Lord, I pray that if there's something in our life that's not good, Lord, that you would give us the conviction to change that. Lord, I pray that whatever that is, that we take it to heart, would allow it to transform our lives and change the trajectory of the rest of our existence. God, we thank you so much. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen. So let's summarize this real quick. King Nebuchadnezzar is the greatest military leader of his time. He's conquered many empires, including the empire of the Israelites, the Jews. Were these guys that we're going to learn about, the main characters, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, were from. He creates this statue, and if you don't speak in uh, measurements of cubits, it was 90 feet tall, 9 feet wide, and he made it out of gold. And this is a very common religious practice for the Babylonians, to worship a statue, to worship some form of idol. And it sounds like he brings out literally like everybody with any official type of status within his kingdom, out to this plain of Dura, to the grand reveal of this new icon this new statue and he hoped and one of his strategies was a very unique one a very actually good strategy he would conquer a nation take the people out of it and scatter it amongst all the nations that he conquered thus weakening their ability to get back together and rebel and so he hoped that all these different gods that these different people worship that this image would unite them around this new god this image this idol and thus strengthen his power King Nebuchadnezzar wanted respect, demanded respect and loyalty, and he always got what he wanted. So when the music plays, bow down or I'll burn you to death. So needless to say, I think as soon as that first note played, we saw the biggest collection of people dropping to the ground in history. I can almost guarantee that if we open up the book of Guinness records right now, the person that went from standing to prone the fastest was found in the of Dura that day. I'll guarantee it. Don't look it up, but I guarantee that's the record holder. And I'm sure some of you guys are hearing this story right now, and you're initially checking out, thinking, well, okay, I'm losing the context here about f- worshiping false gods, idols. <laughs> I'm good there. I don't have an issue here. Well, watch out now, because idolatry is not just worshiping a false god or a, and a statue like these people were doing. It is an excessive devotion to an object, thing, or person. A lot of times it's a blind obsession with an object, thing, or devotion. I'm sorry, was that super awkward that I altered my life because my phone told me I needed to look at it? Super awkward silence, right? I might have seen a couple elbow jabs, a couple of throats cleared. Guys, as human beings, we are checking our phones, touching our phones over 2,000 times a day. 2,000 times a day. I mean, that's an insane amount of time. I I went in my own research, and I stopped over 2,000 times. It just got too long. So is there something that consumes you? Is it when the boss calls, your life changes, whatever you're doing, you stop and do whatever it takes to make the boss happy? Is your career about building a business? So no matter where you're at, that's the main focus. If there's an opportunity to build your business, do you stop having your family vacation? Do you stop doing whatever you're doing to help build your business? When that team is on TV, does nothing else matter? When it's in season right now, fishing season, hunting season, rugby season, whatever that season is in your life, are we excessively devoted to something or someone? Oftentimes it's blind to us, obvious to others, but if we fall into these categories, we may be struggling with idolatry just as much as these people that bow down and were worshiping this gold image. So I wrote out a prayer, and I'm going to speak it out loud, and if you're with me, I'm going to have you say amen at the end of it. Lord, help me to devote my life to be like these brave men we're going to learn about, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Give me courage to break down any idol worship or devotion to things or people that is in my life. Lord, open my eyes to any blind devotion to a person, object, or thing, and help me to have healthy passions and healthy pursuits. Any amens in the room? Amen, Amen. good. Now, verse 8 through 12, we'll see what these three young Jewish boys did. But before we do, I think it's fitting that we get into their sandals, right? Get from their perspective and see Come no one get that, sandals, come on, that's good. He thought it was funny, pastor did. They didn't wear shoes back then, guys, they wore sandals. All right, we get in the perspective of these young Israelite people, the Jewish people in general. Because the story that we talk about on Sunday, Sunday school doesn't really talk about this potential narrative that the Jewish people, the Israelites, could have been feeling at this moment. The Jews, the Israelites, were God's chosen people. God had given them this promised land, the land of Canaan, The the land flowing with milk and honey, as it depicts in Scripture, to the Israelites hundreds of years prior. But yet the Babylonians come and conquer their nation. Destroy it. They destroy the temple of God. They destroy the walls of the city that protected them for all these generations. Now other people are occupying the promised land. Remember? They relocate the people they conquer. Many of the family members and friends of these people were killed in this war. Young boys of royalty or nobility were moved to the Persian capital. These royal descendants and nobles were dethroned and put into a life of service. They were a defeated nation living amongst the conquering nation and scattered and outnumbered. The Jewish people certainly had reason to believe that God had forgotten about them and abandoned them. It would have been reasonable to expect these three young men to feel like God had forgotten about them. Well, let's see what happens. At this time, some astrologers come forward and denounce the Jews. They said to the king, Nebuchadnezzar, "'May the king live forever!' Your majesty has issued a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music must fall down and worship the image of gold. And whoever does not fall down and worship will be thrown into a blazing furnace. But there are some Jews whom you have set over the fairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, your majesty. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold that you've set up. So what we see here is we have some snitches who come forward and throw the Jews under the bus. Now, we don't know if it's just these three, but these three in particular were singled out to King Nebuchadnezzar. So how does he respond? Well, he's furious. He brings in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and says, Is this true? You knew I brought you out here to reveal this to you so that you would bow down and worship it like all my other minions. And if you didn't, I would burn you alive. So what little God of yours would be able to save you from my mighty hand? Now listen to this statement of faith from these three young men. They reply to the king, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he doesn't, but even if he doesn't, We want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship your image of gold that you have set up. Now, come on now. That takes boldness. That's courageous. That is standing firm for your faith. Now, young people, young people, young people, focus in on these next few statements. I'm looking at all all you. you all young people. But young people really focus in on these next few statements. These young men of Jewish descent are standing in the plain of Dura because the generations before them had turned their backs to God. Okay? Their parents, their grandparents had turned their backs on God. For generations before them, King David was the first king of the Israelites. It says that he was a man after God's own heart. And then his son Solomon did a pretty follow-up job of following God. But then king after king would turn their back to God, idol worship and lead his people astray. It'd be a king doing that, another king getting it further away, and then a king would come back, and then another king would be wicked, 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 good, wicked, wicked, good. It sounds like a, one of those <laughs> wicked, w- all right. There had been no reason for these young men to stand firm for their beliefs. It had never been modeled to them before. But behold, the youth setting an example of how to live devoted to God, no matter what. But behold, the youth standing firm in their faith, modeling it to everybody else. I believe that's the truth here for Cross Point Church, our young students, college students. Anybody else believe it? Our, our little guys in the back, Weston Whitcomb's, right? The generation behind us is coming. The army's coming. Lord, send revival. Come on. These young people did not let the legacy that was written by the previous generations to guide their relationship with God. May this be encouraging for any one of us in this room where this is a new thing for your family dynamic. Whether you're 82, 2, I don't know if they can comprehend that yet, 5, 10, 15. If this is you, the first time that no one has ever modeled what it looks like to follow God, just know that you can stand firm on your own because God is with you. He has not forgotten you and he has not abandoned you. You can redefine what it looks like for the people around you to stand firm in your faith. Come on. Let's Let's do it. Sometimes, though, it doesn't take a decision of life or death to stand firm. Some examples of this might be at your lunchroom, and you're going to bow your head to do a prayer, and then all of a sudden you start thinking, oh, what could other people think, and you don't? Stand firm. Follow your convictions. Well, one for me a few years ago, I was on a corporate phone call with that firm I told you I work for. I was with one of my superiors, and we're meeting with a whole bunch of our general partners from the home office to go over our results for the, for the trimester. And I remember on this phone call, what, something was asked to me, and I was prompted by the Holy Spirit to share my faith. Great timing, Holy Spirit. Thanks. And from what I remember, I remember telling them that my career is not in ministry, per se, but it's 100% about ministry. I live a life devoted to God, and I feel that I must share sometimes the gospel and other times demonstrate the gospel with everybody I come in contact with, whether it be at the firm, a client, a prospect, a community member. I will share the love of Jesus Christ with every one of them while helping them with their financial goals. Now, my peer, having the the best interests at heart, calls me after that call and says, Clint, As a dear friend, as a brother in Christ, and as a colleague, I really want to caution you with sharing your faith like that at the corporate level. I was so thankful that he was looking out for me, trying to protect me in that manner. But here's what I told him I know that when the Holy Spirit prompts me to say or do something, I better do it. Why would I not? I, am I scared of what those people might think about me because I'm a follower of Jesus? Am I afraid that if I stick my neck too far out there that God will all of a sudden forget me and leave me abandoned? Because I feel that any time that I'm prompted to share my faith or to stand firm in my faith, when the Holy Spirit prompts me to do this, that if I don't, it's because I'm ashamed. Yeah. Jesus has some pretty strong words if you feel any type of a shame towards him. Luke chapter 9, verse 26 states this. This is from Jesus Christ himself. Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. Standing firm in our faith requires obedience when the promptings of the Holy Spirit, and it means being strong and courageous with our beliefs. For Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That meant potential execution for their belief in God. Thankfully for me, for standing firm for my faith, there was no repercussions or retaliation, but it pales in comparison to what these three young men stood to lose by sharing their faith. So how does King Nebuchadnezzar take that speech? Good question back there. He doesn't take that bold speech well at all. He was so mad because he's used to getting whatever he wants. He orders them to make the fire seven times hotter. That's not just turning the dial. I think that's adding seven times as much material to make it hotter. I don't know how they did it, but it was hotter. He says, where's my strongest, biggest dudes at? Get them over here. Tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I want no wiggle room. Bind them up. Fully clothed in their robes, turbans, and other highly flammable objects. They bring them over to the fire, and they toss them in. And the intensity of the flames is so hot that those big macho soldiers die from the intensity of the flames. So what happens next? Daniel chapter 3, 24 through 28. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaps to his feet with amazement and asks his advisors, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, certainly, your majesty. Yes, there's three of them. He said, look, there's four men walking around the fire, unbound and unharmed. And the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar then approaches the entrance. Not that close. He approaches the entrance, because he saw what happened to soldiers. He says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, come out, come here. servants of the most high god come out and come here so they come out of the fire and all of the officials and advisors crowded around to learn more except for the snitches the magistrates i think they were sneaking out in the back they saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies nor there a hair on their head singed the robes were not scorched and they didn't smell like they're by a campfire. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. Was it the pre-incarnate Jesus? Was it an angel of God? We don't know who it was, but God was with them one way or another. And it was visible to others that God does not leave his people alone. They trusted in him and defied the king's command. They were willing to give up their own lives instead of serve or worship any other god than their own god and they were able to face this fiery furnace because they knew that God was with them and hadn't abandoned them they trusted in God and defied the king's command they knew if they stood firm for their faith that God would honor that so I want to close with a passing in Luke a few more verses than what I shared just a couple moments ago Again, words from Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. He then says to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple, anybody that believes in Jesus Christ is his disciple. If you believe in Jesus Christ, I'd listen to these next words. He says, you must deny yourselves and take up the cross daily. Take up the cross daily and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. Whoever loses their life for my sake will save it. What good is it for man to gain the whole world yet forfeit their self. Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them. And when he comes in his glory, in the glory of the Father and the Holy Angels. So believers, pick up your cross. The Galileans at this time knew exactly what that meant. They had seen numerous of their peers and community members nailed to the cross and crucified because of their faith. They knew what picking up your cross meant meant. It literally meant, if you're to follow Jesus, that means you're carrying your death sentence with you at all times. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego knew exactly what that meant. Willing to put their faith and the consequences that came with it above personal safety or gain. A death sentence means put Jesus Christ and our relationship with him at the front and all of our selfish desires to the back. The expression of dying to oneself. Jesus says, if you're ashamed of me, then I'll be ashamed of you in front of the Father. And we can flip that and say that if you stand up for me, then I'll stand up for you in front of the Father. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego knew that they had not been abandoned by God, even when it looked like it. They knew that God was always with them, even when it looked like he wasn't. So what's going on in your life? Marital issues Relationship issues Constraints with children or parents Maybe other just relationship issues Maybe death has taken Someone you love way too young You or someone else you care about deeply Have had health issue after health issue After health issue Finances are a wreck There's probably times in your life That you felt stuck, alone And maybe even forgotten by God But as we read today That's not the case. God will never leave us nor forsake us. And if we truly believe in Jesus Christ, then we must put him first. We must carry that cross. Remove the distractions and things that take up an idol in our lives, no matter the consequences. Stand firm for your faith, stand up for your faith, and let God show up in your fires. Let's live confident. Let's live thankful that we're not alone not forgotten by God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you are the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. We thank you so much that you sent your Son, Jesus Christ, to this earth for one reason, which is for the forgiveness of sins. I pray that today that someone in this room is going to make a decision for the very first time to follow Jesus. They're hearing this message for the first time saying, yes, I need something more. In just a moment, I'm gonna give you an opportunity to make that declaration. Others in this room, you're kind of like the, the track history of the kings of Israel. For a period of your life, you're good, you're following God, you're devoted to Him, but then the next moment you're turning away from God and you're you're wicked and you're 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 doing things that you wish you wouldn't do, and then you turn back again and you're teeter-tottering back and forth, and you're tired of it. And you're ready right now to devote your life to Jesus and come back in right standing. If either one of these scenarios is you every head bowed and eye closed. On the count of three, I'm going to just ask you to be bold and brave. Slip up your hand a little bit, look me in the eyes, just so I know I'm praying for you. On the count of three, one, you're not alone. Two, God loves you. And three, He's there for you. I see those two. All stand to our feet and join me. Isn't God good? Isn't God good? God, He is so good. Way better than I deserve. There's eight hands that went up today that said, I'm gonna follow Jesus for the first time, or I'm coming back in right standing because the life I've been living hasn't been right praise God for that courage. And even if there's others that didn't raise your hand, that, that's not the, the, the way we get to heaven is raising your hand. It's just so honest to see who we're praying for. But if you want to make that decision today, believe it in your heart, confess it with your mouth. We're going to do a prayer together as a group. I'm going to say this prayer, and I want each and every one of us in this room is going to say the same prayer. But if that was you with your hand raised or felt it inside, I want you to say this prayer and believe it in your heart. And Would you all join me Let's Bow our heads, close your eyes. Please repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I believe that you're my Savior, that you died for my sins. Please forgive me of my sins and help me from this day forward to live for you, fully devoted. I give you all my heart, all my strength, all my mind, and all my soul. It's in your holy name we pray. We're going to close off our service today with a song. Maybe this message just stirred something up in you, and if so, I praise God. And I want you to sing out worship to the King of Kings, Jesus Christ himself, and mean it with everything inside your heart. Draw closer to God in this time. But we're also going to open this up for prayer. You can pray right amongst your seats, where you're at, someone around you. But We're also going to have some of our team members, our partners here at the end of the stage. And they're going to come up here as soon as the song plays. They might even be working their way up now. And they're here to pray with you. If it's something that the, the message stirred up, awesome. If it's something else that you need prayer for, come up and take advantage of this time. Because remember, it says when two or more are gathered, who is here? God, he is here with us. So let's pray one last time before we get ready to close out our service and worship. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much. We thank you so much for everything that you've given us. We thank you for this true story about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, young men without being any model in their life of what it looked like to be devoted to you and standing firm. I pray that you convict each one of us in things in our lives that are not pleasing to you, that we would break those things down, stop the idol worship, and start devoting our lives fully devoted to you. I pray that those eight people that raised their hand today in the auditorium and those online that raised their hand are gonna follow you with full-out conviction. I hope that they share a testimony with some, with me someday about how this day their life never looked the same and all the things that changed, how they felt God's presence like they've never felt before. Holy Spirit, flood this place, fill our hearts, transform our minds. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us. We hope that this message was inspiring and encouraging. For more information about this message or about all things Crosspoint, check out our Facebook and head to our website at www.crosspointwaverly.com.